Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Michael McNutt, Weedy's Director of Events and Education. Weedy is the preeminent national membership association for health IT guidance and collaboration. For nearly 30 years, Weedy has been an instrumental force in igniting public private partnerships to empower meaningful changes for the American healthcare system. Recognized and trusted as a formal advisor to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Weedy is the leading authority on the use of health IT to efficiently improve health information exchange, enhance care quality, and reduce cost. Learn more about Weedy, including member benefits and our educational events at wedi.org. This week, we're talking about EMPI, Enterprise Master Person Index, a database that is used to maintain consistent and accurate information about each patient registered by a healthcare organization. It may link several smaller master person indexes together, such as those from outpatient clinics and rehabilitation facilities. EMPI is a major element in healthcare IT, data quality, patient care, and interoperability, but it's not without its issues and areas of improvement. Here to discuss the need for EMPI improvements and what could it mean for the future of healthcare data, we have two great guests and experts in the field. Alap Shah is a lawyer with Epstein, Becker, and Green in Washington, D.C., Alap deftly guides clients through complex and ever-evolving healthcare issues, including, check this list out, privacy, cybersecurity, medical devices, artificial intelligence, interoperability, digital health, telehealth, fraud and abuse, and other laws and regulations. Alap's clients include all types of healthcare, life sciences, data analytics, and technology companies at various stages of development. Joining Alap is a former guest of the podcast, Greg Church, president of 4Medica, Greg brings to Formedica a rare combination of business acumen, senior leadership, operational, and strategic marketing experience. In 2009, Greg joined Formedica and has helped the company expand its interoperability customer base and further define new product lines in the patient identity matching, clinical data exchange, and revenue cycle management service areas. Alap, Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Uh, let's. I, I, I talked a little bit of Enterprise Master Person Index, but I'm going to give the floor to you. Offer a little more in-depth uh, detail about Enterprise Master Person Index, EMPI. How does it work? What technology is used? And how is it helping currently the healthcare landscape? Sure. Um, I'll kick us off. So EMPI is not a new term. I mean, it's been around for decades, and um, hospitals and laboratories and other health organizations really know the need to accurately match um, their patients and identities correctly to the clinical records. The challenge that we have, Michael, now today is there's a lot more movement of digital data. And with all these different disparate systems that are still out there, and and some of them are becoming more commonly implemented, you know, in the bigger systems, um, there's still fragmented data. And so fragmented data, you know, puts a challenge on how do we accurately ensure that Greg's record is really Greg's every time that he comes in for care, whether it's through the emergency room, it's through his primary care doctor and specialty. Um, the, the opportunities to get it right means we can actually do more exciting things with the data. Um, and we'll talk about that throughout the podcast today. Um, when we get it wrong, unfortunately, and this is where a lot can jump in, things can bad, badly happen to patients. You know, you can have wrong, um, wrong patient, uh, patient death experience. You can have, you know, um, wrong procedures performed, wrong medications, um, all that. Um, so that's on the patient safety side. You also have financial impact. So 
EMPI today is being becoming more modernized in its approach. We're getting away from these legacy relational databases. We're looking at ways to leverage through AI and some other new technologies to make that match rate even better. Um, you know, if you think about the industry average, 10 to 20% duplication rate is still out there today. Um, if you go at the 20% level, that means one in five patients are potentially at risk of having the wrong information. So um, that's the that's the opportunity to improve it. Technology is getting better. Leveraging you know newer things around AI, machine learning, prediction can all be added to that. Um, Alap, what, what's your perspective? Yeah, I mean those are great comments and a great landscape. You know, I, I guess I I think we start this conversation by thinking about healthcare being an information intensive industry. That's how we operate in the healthcare industry. We need information about patients. We need to share information amongst clinicians, patients, their families, and other stakeholders to make sure that we have effective treatment, that we get paid for the services we're rendering, and that patients can go where they need to go and get met with the right information uh, for care continuum. And the, in, the industry, obviously, we all know, has been digitizing for the last you know, two to three decades at this point. And so, as Greg correctly points out, data has been amassed digitally across the ecosystem and is increasingly being shared across the ecosystem. And, and that's in part because of government incentives and, and programs to facilitate all of that. Um, so data really is the oil of this engine in healthcare. And so we really need to get data right in order to improve care, to increase efficiencies in the, in the way we operate, reduce costs associated with the care we provide and, and how we operate and ultimately generate value and, and improved outcomes for patients. So um, EMPI, my view of EMPI is that it's so critical as just a fundamental aspect of the way we get data right in the ecosystem, because there are so many points of failure in terms of getting data right, as we have so many different stakeholders in the ecosystem. Any one of those could introduce the wrong data about a patient, which then quickly um, through interoperability mechanisms and other data sharing mechanisms can start to corrupt data sets across the ecosystem unless we're being vigilant about that. EMPI really comes into play there to make sure we're, we're doing things like unifying data across different disparate data sets, uh, deduplicating data where we need to, reconciling data across, you know, different enterprises as they merge. Um, so, you know, I think we just need to really double down on EMPI as data continues to accelerate through the pipes that exist in the ecosystem. Now, by doubling down on the importance of data, I totally get we're here at Weedy. Data is our thing. It's our lifeblood. But what are some of the kind of systemic issues uh, and external issues that are affecting this relatively basic idea of getting the data correct. What are we looking at here? Is it just fat thumbs? Is it like Greg mentioned, duplications? What are some of the issues that are affecting a positive and productive and efficient EMPI? Yeah, you said something important there, Michael. I mean, it all starts at registration. You know, if you think about how patients get into the healthcare system, it's through a registration process. And in the old days, it was a clipboard and collecting information. Today, it's getting a little bit more sophisticated where it's phones and maybe it's kiosks, it's apps. Um, even that doesn't solve the problem because there's no way to really ensure that when Alop and Greg and Michael are getting entered, 
is it the most current information, right? Is Michael's address really Michael's current address? Is it the right phone number? Is it the right, you know, you know, email address, whatever we're being collecting, you know, on the patient through registration. And the registration folks are going so fast that <clears throat> we've heard even facilities are asking to do a quick reg, cut back on the registration and just get basic information, first name, last name, database, and we'll take the rest when we get the patient admitted into the ER or into the facility. Well, think about what happens. You don't get a full registration at the point of registration. You're going to create a duplicate. And that duplicate then becomes the problem. It starts to go all the way into the health system, into the medical record system, into the HIS system, and ultimately into the financial system. And if you don't have best demographics matched up to the best eligibility information, insurance information, you're not going to register a claim correctly. You're not going to get paid correctly. And then if, God forbid, it gets wrong into the um, electronic health record system, now you're putting clinicians at risk that, hey, I might potentially be pulling the wrong chart on these individuals and making now clinical decisions that are going to have, you know, consequences. So registration to me is if we can standardize up front how information gets collected and we're consistent about what we put in, mandate certain fields, and you can't put null values, you can't put single digit values for phone numbers. It doesn't help for patient matching. You can't have, a you know, 50,000 records with the same phone number. It doesn't work. So Again, and there's ways we can do that and do it with more precision. And that's where we get excited as a company because you can actually enrich identities through some really sophisticated third-party data sets that's not invading patient privacy, but it's validating, right? We got the right mailing address, right? You know, we can normalize addresses. We can go out and look for the right phone numbers and email and cell phone numbers. So it's things like that. If we can just all standardize the way we're collecting information up front in the registration systems, the downstream impact and reducing the risk of duplicates becomes more, more of a uh, um, positive outcome. So a lot, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there's there's a point in time when there's a new patient coming to the the door of the hospital to get registered, and there's mistakes that could be made because of you know the time pressures. I think another issue is that historically speaking, there is dirty data in the healthcare ecosystem because of this phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter really if it's person walking in the door to the healthcare system or a chart being sent from another provider into the hospital system or some other data feed that's coming into the hospital system through an HIE, for example. The reality is that some of this data is just not going to be accurate. The integrity of that data is not intact. And now the hospital has to decide, what do I do with it? You know, Can I rely on it? How do I resolve this relative to the person who's standing in front of me? And you know, I'll tell you a little anecdote about myself. So you know, I... <clears throat> I know that there are some organizations that are doing their best to really try to resolve the data that's coming in their door, but oftentimes not using you know, a really robust EMPI solution to do so. They may be using just a deterministic approach to, to figure out what data is correct. I actually, um, this is not in the healthcare space, uh, but I made a donation to a uh, nonprofit organization. You know, I made a charitable donation. Um, and it was under my name. A friend of mine had passed away, and so I wanted to make this donation. About three months later, my son, he ended up, through his school, also sponsoring that same organization uh, and making a class donation. So I got a letter back 
with my name on it associated with the donation he made. And I said, well, I didn't make that donation. Why am I getting this letter? And the reality is they were using a deterministic approach to try to match on the address, the home address. And all of a sudden on their database, his donation is applied to me. He doesn't exist in the system, I do. And so it will continuously be resolved to me for anything that relates to my address. So even if I move out of my house and someone moves into that house, if they continue to apply that logic, that person, you know, their work with that organization is going to come back to me because I was the first in time. And that's just not how this should work in the healthcare system. You can't possibly, you know, rely just on deterministic matching. I think you need to do yeah. things more robust in terms of probabilistic matching as well. And Greg can talk more about the specifics of that. Please go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I mean, for sure, deterministic matching is, you know, it's it's not it's not reliable. I mean, there's too many variations and too many similarities of names and information. So, you know, as you look at MPI, you have to think about, do I have enough attributes on this person, on this identity to match on? And, and we strongly believe uh, in the way we do MPI that if you don't have four minimum data attributes to match on, you're not going to get a reliable match. You have to have more than just first name, last name, date of birth. Too many similarities is not enough to match on. You got to have the mailing address. You got to have a phone number. You got to have something else that you can run through both deterministic and probabilistic matching because you're scoring as you score identities. And, you know, we won't get into a lot of details, but you've got to put scoring weights based on the value of the data that you get. And so the more reliable data you can get on a person, the higher the scoring weight you can put on. So that means that match threshold is going to be higher. You're going to get that exact match. Anything that's weak is going to put you into a probable match category. That And that's where it gets risky because then now you got to rely more on the humans to get in there and actually make judgment calls whether or not it's Michael's actual record. So trying to leverage the technology from how you score and how you build rules around the data quality that you get that's where the MPI engines can really bring tremendous value from an automation perspective. So it's advancing and it's getting better. And then you add things like referential matching data enrichment on top of it, even strengthens further that ability to have a better, stronger match threshold. Excellent. Chatting with Alap Shaw with Epstein, Becker and Green and Greg Church, president of Formedica on the Collective Voice of Health IT. Um, a lot of what you just were referencing and Alap's background uh, opens up my next question. Let's talk about artificial intelligence and its use in an uh, EMPI. Uh, benefits, challenges, where are we right now? I'm assuming we're moving pretty deep into utilizing AI with these EMPIs. But as you said, dirty data is dirty data. But how do you see artificial intelligence taking EMPIs over the next three to five years? Alap, do you want to get that one off? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to. Um you know, I think increasingly artificial intelligence is uh, infiltrating all aspects of our lives, including EMPI. You know, and I think it comes to, um, you know, statistical um, speed by which we need to crunch through large data sets. AI is very good at that. Um, we are trying to make sure that EMPI gets as smart as it can when trying to resolve patient data. And as Greg pointed out, in terms of this uh, probabilistic matching mechanism, AI can certainly superpower, you know, supercharge that aspect of it. Um, Greg, I don't know if you want to talk about specifics of how AI is coming into 
the EMPI technologies. But I also want to talk about um, another aspect of AI as it relates to EMPI in terms of how important using EMPI is to get data right before data is then leveraged for AI generation later um, outside of the EMPI context. Yeah, so. I'll just I'll quickly comment. I mean, it, it's slowly coming into uh, EMPI. Um, we're doing some things around kind of that initial step around machine learning prediction. So as our software is, you know, highly tuned and um, the scoring mechanisms catch a lot of, you know, uh, the duplicates, there's still, you know, a subset, we call them potential matches that end up on the work list. And what we've done by applying some AI uh, machine learning prediction is we've studied what the humans have been doing to actually normalize and match those probable matches. And as they do that, the system says, all right, let's look at what the humans identified as the probable match they got merged. Do we agree, disagree based on what they did? And as it's learning that, right, it's building, you know, uh, the predictions, it's starting to get smarter. And it's nice to see us where we can actually start applying that uh, level of AI into what the humans would normally have to look at as a large work queue. And it's now starting to agree and say, yep, it's getting, it's, it's fine-tuned, it's getting better. Now the machine learning prediction is kicking in. It's actually merging records faster. You always have to go with a little bit of error on the side of caution because the thing you don't want to do in healthcare is create an overlay where you're actually combining two people's records into one person's identity, right? So overlays are always problematic. So I think when we talk about AI, we have to go in with a little bit of caution and say, it's still early, it's getting better, and I think there are tools out there that allow us to validate, you know, using, you know, AI and, and, and machine learning prediction. But here's where it could really help us, Michael. We don't have a universal ID as a country. We don't have a unique patient identifier. So we're all creating different IDs in these different systems. Even the MPI vendors are doing that. So that's problematic in the sense that you're still going to have multiple identifiers out there across the healthcare ecosystem. What can help is if you do identity proofing, right? Where you now can actually have a lot validate himself and say, this is really a lot coming into the hospital or into the medical practice. If we can work off of identity validation and get a unique ID, guess what? We're gonna reduce the need for really having to go in and say, do we really doubt or do we feel more comfortable now at this point that this is a lot Shaw and this is Greg Church because we validated them. We've already got that first level of validation. I think that's where MPI will get smarter and that's where AI, you know, looking at a lops picture or his biometrics validating it's really him puts less risk into the software having to work alone. So that that's just my comment. I think if we can apply more of that into MPI now because that's available technology, this will even get better. Uh, fantastic. So we're looking at, we've already talked about improving the data, the quality of the data, and how that will improve the patient care and the patient experience. We like that. There's not a whole lot of dupes. There's not a lot of problems in terms of billing. Um, we haven't discussed interoperability as yet, and I want to discuss that right now because we're weedy. We love interoperability. Um, you know, how can an, a good EMPI you know, help hospitals facilitate data sharing and interoperability with other healthcare organizations. So we're now talking best case scenario. We have a great EMPI. How does that help in the entire kind of landscape of interoperability? Yeah, I'm happy to field that. So, I mean, there are a number of ways that EMPI can improve interoperability. 
Um, you know, when we think about a patient as they move through the healthcare ecosystem, whether it's going to a lab to get some diagnostic testing done and then to a hospital, hopefully with diagnostic testing results available to the, the hospital then to make diagnosis and treatment decisions, we want that data to move pretty fluidly, seamlessly, and accurately. Now, if data generated in the lab you know, says one thing about the patient, maybe gets a piece of data wrong about that patient, and then sends it over to the hospital, and the hospital is left with a record that is a little bit dirty, quote unquote, um, they may not be able to make the decisions they need to make. Um, they may not be able to resolve that this is actually the patient that requires this, this service or this care. Um, you know, another, another example of this would be, um, for example, in the context, let's take COVID since it's, you know, it's still around, it's lingering. Um, you know, if I go to a testing center for COVID and, you know, I, I get my test done and then I'm going to go to my doctor um, who should also get my test results. If they didn't resolve me in their system as this data flowed from the testing facility to the hospital, I may not get the right counsel about whether I'm positive or negative about COVID, in which case it could be that maybe I'm I am COVID positive, but the wrong sort of interpretation happens because EMPO has not applied to this record and it was lost in the mix. And now the doctor has not told me I'm COVID positive and I go off into the world and I start spreading this communicable, communicable disease around. Um, and likely there's another patient who who's impacted as well because there was some misresolution of the data as it went into the, the provider's hands. Um, so there's real real life consequences, you know, and I think EMPI is there to really resolve the fact that, you know, we're going to have touch points in lots of different places uh, at specialist offices and the labs and the hospital and wherever we go. And we need that data to all point to us and be accurate to us. Um, otherwise, you know, the care we're getting is going to be ill-informed and, you know, poor decisions might be made that are that are detrimental to us. Yeah, and my only other comment I would add to that, and which is really great, by the way, a lot, is now that more, you know, around Tufka and you've got QNs and you've got HIEs and health information networks, you've got more participation in data sharing and data exchange. And the risk, you know, if you're going to improve, you know, whether it's SDOH and it's care coordination and it's making sure that everyone, you know, from a health equity perspective is getting cared for, it's great, but if you're not identifying people correctly, think about the underserved population gets left out because they're not always the ones that have the most advanced cell phones. They don't have emails necessarily. How do you keep track of people, right? And you've got to do that. And if you had an identifier that we all got and we could all embrace, and that becomes the standard of the way we communicate through interoperability – you will not miss out on caring for people that should be cared for. Right now, it's 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 we're missing. And a lot said a great story during COVID. We had a customer that could not actually get test results out to people because they had no way to actually communicate with the individuals. They had no phone numbers. They had no cell phone numbers. They had no way to actually notify them. So that becomes that becomes a health crisis um, in, in America if you can't actually have the proper way to communicate and be in touch with your patients and the people that are most important to be in the care system. So, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement here. And I, I hope our our folks like Weedy, like you guys can really help drive some of the need from, from the federal level, because 
I know there's organizations like AHIMA and others, Patient ID Coalition, really advocating we need this identifier. But guess what? We can't wait. We've got to take action today and get things better in these systems. So uh, interoperability is not going to go away. It's only going to become bigger, and there's going to be more data going through these pipes. Um, we need to solve this problem. It's a core foundational issue that we have to address in America. I, I totally agree with you. And before we wrap up, uh, there's one thing I wanted, just a, a comment and then a question. Um, totally agree with you um, regarding the need for you know improvements. It's, it's so hilarious how in healthcare we search for so many cures and treatments and everything, and that's the stuff we should be focusing on. And instead, we're focusing on the basic entering of information properly. And it's just kind of wild that that's where we're stuck at. You know, like that's where we're stuck is the, you know, the bad data that's going in and being inputted. But uh, my question is, you were talking about evolving and moving forward. Uh, Patient access, patient access, patient control, patient ability to transfer their information um, to all sorts of different parties. How has that over the past couple of years, it's relatively recent, how can that or how is that or how will that affect EMPIs, even if it won't? Will or won't it? You know, I feel that it will. Give me your thoughts on, you know, the patient access rules, their ability to control their data and move it around adds another unique twist to this whole EMPI problem. I, I think... Oh, go ahead. Hello. No, go ahead, Greg. Please go ahead. No, my only comment before Alap jumps in is I think when consumers get smarter, things change better um, for the better. Um, right now, a lot of patients in America don't realize their data is being exchanged. Um, it happens behind the scenes through health information exchanges, and it's not a negative thing, but it's just not its not fully transparent that my information is being um, made available through um, interoperability. When we find out, just like in banking, we, we would not tolerate if an ATM transaction was wrong 20% of the time. We wouldn't tolerate it. We would complain. We'd go to our banks or we'd find a new bank or financial institution to do business with. Once I think the awareness um, and now patients and people are now going to have access to their information digitally, they're going to want to know it's the right information. They're going to want to know that their providers and their um, doctors and hospitals are being responsible and good data custodians. And that'll drive different behavior when more consumers are aware that there's problems with duplications and with their data potentially being at risk. So I say that just because I think consumers will help drive change for the better a lot. Greg, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. When I, <clears throat> when I think about this issue, when you add individual access, um, either through the HIPAA right of access or <clears throat> under state laws that afford access to, to uh, consumer health data, it's going to create new nodes on the, the network and the ecosystem of healthcare. And essentially you're, you're creating rights that consumers can then exercise and complain about <laughs> to the extent that they're, they're upset. Mm-hmm. If I go and try to access my records and I get back some other person's records, not only does that bother me for, as a, as a consumer, cause I'm expecting something and I'm not getting what I need, but it's also, you know, potentially violative of law. It, it violates, you know, the, the requirements that you submit these records to me, that they're accurate to me. It's a privacy violation. I probably ended up getting someone else's records. Um, and guess what? Someone else might be getting my records. 
So there are privacy violations there. Um, these are the kinds of levers that can then be used by consumers and individuals to affect the change we're looking for. Um, and there are, there are, you know, patient advocate groups and, and other privacy watchdogs out there that are, are making noise about these kinds of issues already. So I think that, you know, it's going to really put a, a keen focus on the need for EMPI, again, not only within these health information exchanges, but, but even in the hands of individual, you know, providers and payers and whoever else is dealing in patient data. Excellent. Thank you for that. That was perfect. Uh, fantastic conversation here. Great church, president of Formedica and Alap Shah with Epstein, Becker and Green, also an advisor with Formedica. This is the Collective Voice of Health IT. Uh, gentlemen, before we wrap up, any uh, resources that you would like to plug, promote, recommend to our listeners? I always say weedy because what you guys are doing is incredible in, in the area of interoperability and making change. Um, to adopt standards, but to adopt standards responsibly. And I think AI needs to be part of that. It needs to be regulated um, to make sure we're not putting data at risk and patients at risk. Because if we get that right, and, and Weedy's behind this, and I know other organizations are advocates as well for this, the, we didn't talk a lot about the secondary data usage opportunities. Think about how we can leverage data for better clinical trials, for better mm -hmm. clinical research. And patients, if they know their data is being used responsibly, should be advocates to help improve care, right, and to improve treatment, you know. And I think that's what we're we're going to need to see more of is how we regulate and how we hold people accountable to responsibility of how data is being used. But I'm telling you, EMPI is the core you got to get data right. You got to get data right at the beginning. The rest of what we're talking about then becomes a reality. Well, so, Weedy, congratulations to you and your support of this. Um, and I, I hope people want to learn more about Formatica too. So check us out, you know, on our website at formatica.com. A lot. Yeah, just some some parting thoughts and, and thanks again for having uh, us on the podcast. This is it's a great opportunity and good to meet you. You know, when it comes to EMPI, I think the dialogue has historically been about the downside risk of not using EMPI related to patient safety issues and you know privacy issues and uh, billing issues. And yes, that downside risk certainly exists and it impacts healthcare and drives up cost in healthcare, things like that. But to Greg's point, there's a lot of upside value that can be generated using data but data quality is critical to, to realizing that, that value, whether it be in secondary data markets, whether it be for internal business intelligence, um, for quality metric reporting within your organization, uh, and, and getting value-based care arrangements to work the right way so you get reimbursed appropriately. Mm -hmm. you know, but there are lots of third parties out there that are hungry for data because they're trying to innovate, whether it's life sciences companies trying to create the next blockbuster drug or digital health companies trying to you know, create the new killer app or AI companies um, who are hungry for data to train their AI algorithms. Anyone that has healthcare data, uh, whether it's a provider or a payer or, or some other healthcare ecosystem player, start thinking about how EMPI can unlock your data in ways that you can start to generate value from that. You know, I think that that's sort of the next phase of, of use of EMPI. Um, so it's both carrot and stick. Go go get your EMPI right. Um, but again, thank you for having me on the podcast. I really, really enjoyed it. No, it was yeah. my pleasure. It was fantastic. And I just wrote down just in my notes, we're only going to go as far as the data takes us. So, you know, that it's as simple as that. Good data is going to, we're going to stop at some point. 
Good data is going to take us further. Bad data is going to just stop us where we stand. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast, where the healthcare IT communities connect, collaborate, and create solutions for a better health system. Find all our episodes as well as information on our association at our website, wedi.org. Thank you for joining us, and be safe.